Welcome to the Breaking Bread Podcast, conversations about how food inspires the people that inspire us. Join me, Michelle Jobin, and my co-host, Jasmine Baker, for our chats with some of the most influential and sometimes infamous chefs, producers, and hospitality icons. Together, we'll uncover the compelling stories of the people behind what we eat, drink, and enjoy. Here we go. Hi, it's Jasmine, and welcome back to Breaking Bread. Today, Michelle and I caught up with Toronto chef and restaurateur, Michael Hunter. We learned how his career began at an early age and more about his connection to the wild and his deep respect for food. From humble beginnings to incredible achievements, Michael is a world-class chef who was cooking whole animals over open fire, celebrating local, and foraging for inspiring flavors way before any of us knew just how cool this really was. Michael charted his own path the only way he knew how, authentically to him. And it's our honor to help tell his story on the eve of his very first cookbook, The Hunter Chef, which hits shelves on October 6th of this year. Hope you enjoy this chat as much as we did. Uh, share with us how did you get started in culinary well for me cooking professionally was a bit of a fluke I as a kid loved food Um, I was always hungry at the dinner table I was always trying to go for seconds and at the cottage you know swimming all day Uh, my aunt and uncle were really good cooks and I would you know my uncle would say oh he's got a hollow leg and kind of tease me (laughs) because I just would eat and eat and eat nonstop. so um, the love of food has always been with me. Um, and I think it was really just growing up with a single mom. I learned, that's how I learned how to cook. So my mom would work late and call me and tell me how to start dinner. And I laughed. The first thing I learned how to make, I think was a shake and bake chicken is what I can remember. And I would get the chicken legs out of the freezer, you know, like <clears throat> the leg, uh, you know, packages in styrofoam and get out the bag of crumbs in the cupboard that you know is not refrigerated and shake the chicken in it put it in the the little toaster oven and then by the time my mom would get home you know they'd be done and she'd put on some vegetables and you know it was just a pretty basic type of type of dinners and that's that's how I started cooking and um, wasn't anything fancy or anything like that I, I do remember my mom having some parties with lobster and stuff like that and when we'd go to other people's homes for special occasions. I'd be, you know, into the, the shrimp or calamari or, you know, I would love octopus and oysters and just, I love trying new things as a kid. And um, in, uh, it was just before high school in grade eight, I wanted a summer job and I rode my bike um, uh, probably, you know, 10 kilometers out of town to a local gas station and I applied to pump gas and the guy told me that he didn't need any help at the gas station but there was a diner in the same parking lot and said you know I need help in the kitchen can you cook and I you know told him I cook at home a little bit and he said okay well they needed you know I'd be washing dishes and doing prep and cleaning and stuff like that so I, I accepted the job and that's that's really how it started wow, wow. well I think those foundational you... those foundationals of, of shake and bake and, and yeah. dinner in a box or something coming out of the freezer <laughs> it's the same for all of us right like we've all had those those moments humble beginnings yeah so it wasn't anything glamorous you know but it it was a very busy place you know they had lineups out the door on the weekends it was sort of a greasy spoon uh, local place on the highway and it was really busy and I you know I learned a lot there definitely about the industry about hard work and you know washing dishes and still to this day when 
something happens at the restaurant or the guys need help, I'm in the dish pit. So it's, um, it was definitely a good experience. That's terrific because you have an appreciation of what everyone does sort of <laughs> at their job at the restaurant and then you can better, you know, understand what they're going through all the time. Where did you grow up? Where was this place? Uh, oh, so this was in Caledon. I grew up, okay. uh, it's about just an hour north of, of Toronto for those listening who aren't from the GTA. It's, uh, you know, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> so from there, did you go to did you out of high school end up going to culinary school? Was it that direct of a path or was Yeah, it, it was it was it was really quick. I so I worked at this, you know, country diner and then um I started working at a golf course. They you know, they paid a little bit little bit more money. Uh I had some friends working there. It seemed uh more of a social thing. There was lots of girls and you know, <laughs> um so it was a, that was a fun transition and then from there in the off season at the golf course, this was all through high school. Um I wound up working at a little fine dining country inn called the Bell Fountain Inn. And from there, that's when I started to really take an interest. And I, I started learning how to make sauces from stock and how to make fresh bread and pasta and charcuterie. And then, then that's when the, the real, um, you know, culinary journey took off. So the Bell Fountain Inn, that was in Caledon as well? Yeah, it's all like a uh, region of Peel, Caledon area. Amazing. I, I was in, I grew up in Caledon when I was very little. I was there okay. until till I was, I think, nine. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a beautiful area. Yeah, both um, in the fall with the, uh, the you know the colors and and the, <laughs> the leaves and everything. It's a really beautiful place. Amazing. So, and where did you go to school? I went to uh, Mayfield Secondary School. Mayfield Secondary School, which was a school of the arts. It is, but I was I lived in the the the, the, the general region. area. Yeah. So that was yeah. my home school. Yeah. Fantastic. And I had a cooking program there. I, I remember taking a cooking class while I was there. Um, but I, I always worked on the weekends. And sometimes after school, they needed help. I would go in and work. Um, uh, my last year of high school uh, is what really what cemented my culinary career was that um, my, uh, my, my uh, high school girlfriend got pregnant. So I was going to be a dad. And I just figured I've got all this experience cooking. And I love what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm ahead of my peers and um, I just decided I'm, I'm going to go to culinary school. And I was actually skipping school to work, um, telling my teachers what I was doing because of my newfound uh, information. And they were very supportive and helped me basically just pass so I could get out of high school and uh, make a living and, and then go to culinary school. Fantastic. And where did you go to culinary school? I went to Humber College okay. and I did the, I uh, did the apprenticeship program there. So that program is, uh, I think school is Monday, Tuesday, and then I was able to work the rest of the week. So I did seven days a week, you know, school and work for about two years. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot <laughs> for a young man. A yeah. And it, you know, it kept me out of trouble. I think was, it was, uh, one of the positives that came out of that. And so I want to jump ahead, um, to talk about, your incredible restaurant antler which you opened with your partner jody shapiro in 2015 mm -hmm. and what were some of your biggest lessons in opening a restaurant <laughs> <laughs> the the biggest lesson was just i think hard work and mm. you know regardless of what we wanted to be the customer will always dictate you know what you are we we were in dundas west we, 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 I think we tried to do too much at once. We wanted to, we wanted to capture the dinner crowd, but we were so small. We wanted to continue sales and, and do the late night bar snack 
bar type of type of vibe. And I think you can only really pick one. And we're a little we're a little far west to really capture that, you know, midnight to two AM crowd. So we really just had to say, okay, we're we're a dinner place. People come to us for dinner and that's what we are. So that I think that was the biggest learning thing. We thought about lunch, but I think, you know, we're just too far west. I don't mm-hmm. think it would have worked. Um, we have a really good brunch crowd that we're that we're very happy about, but um the lunch and late night thing was, was a bit of a stretch for us. So it was, you know, we're dinner, let's do dinner really well. Yeah. And you do do dinner beautifully. Um, And and brunch, that cinnamon bun that you're doing (laughs) is like, it is, that is just drool inducing. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's lush. (laughs) I definitely had incredible meals at Antler as well. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a really brilliant uh, dining experience. You really put your stamp on it in terms of, you know, making the food that is about who you are. Uh, and, and it's also known for incredible services as well. But what do you think it is that sets you apart in this city? What really sets us apart is our just dedication to Canadian cuisine and Canadian ingredients. It's really difficult because you know, we're such a young country and we're such a melting pot of cultures that we really, you know, don't have a cuisine yet. And it's, it's emerging. And I think a lot of restaurants are pushing towards that. Um, but that was, uh, that was sort of our commitment, our stand. I am, you know, a passionate uh, uh, Canadian person. And I, I grew up here. This is home. And I, I love Canada. We have amazing ingredients. Um, you know, from, from coast to coast to coast, um, amazing farmers, fishermen, and it's just, uh, it's just a wonderful place as far as I'm concerned. And I'm just really proud of that and wanted to, um, you know, sort of put my stamp on the culinary world, I think. And, um, you know, we're not uh, crazy fine dining. It's uh, kind of casual, but elevated. And, and that's, that's our, I guess that's our stand. And that was just something we stuck to from day one. Yeah, you, I mean, you're essentially you were celebrating local before it was cool or important to do. You know, now mm-hmm. I think we've all learned that it's really important for us to celebrate and support local um, in order to, um, you know, really support our, our local economy. So can we talk a little bit about um, about your food culture and and really um, you know, what you, what is your process in terms of when you're designing a menu? What, mm-hmm. how, how do you approach that? Um, I, it's funny, we had this conversation recently and it's sort of like putting out an album or something. It's, it's like, uh, it's, it's rehearsed, um, you know, just, just like a, an album or a song, you know, it's, uh, it's tested and there's trials and, um, for us, it was really uh, menu sourcing was the number one. We wanted to use, you know, only Ontario um, and Canadian producers. So it was really like what's available right now in these seasons. Um, you know, what can we get consistently? Because that's that's a challenge too. You know, one week things are available and then next yeah. week they're not. So yeah. that that's always um, can be a challenge. And then it's just testing. And then the ultimate test is the guest experience. And if the guest... Um, enjoys it that stays on the menu you know regardless of whether I like it or not so um but our our you know most of the stuff we do people really love and that's that's um 
that means so much to to me and our whole team that people love what we're doing and you know that's that's really the true test i think yeah and you do have wild game on the menu we do and you know in in parentheses because they're game animals but um you know they have to come from a farm but basically with uh with our our laws so so um, not so wild but game not so wild yes (laughs) they're game um you know wild fish that's one of our our commitments to sustainability is we use sustainably caught uh wild fish there's tons of wild fish in this country from the great lakes to the arctic um you know uh, the east and west coast so that was one of our big commitments too was uh, wild sustainable fish and in your and I don't know if you can really separate what you do outside of being a chef in this vein from being a chef, but you, you hunt, you fish, mm-hmm. I assume you forage yep. as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually interested in sort of the chicken egg sort of thing with this. What, what came first? Was it the impetus to put this on the menu and that then you're like, well, I want to do this as well. I want to be a hunter and a fisherman and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. Or was that already part of your life? And did that work its way into your menu? Um, so the hunting was definitely a part of my life. Uh, growing up on the farm um, really sort of cemented my need for natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. Foraging was a huge part of my life. I was just becoming obsessed with going to pick mushrooms and going tapping maple syrup. It's such a laborious process, but I just loved being outside in the outdoors and having that connection to my food. So, and I, I think working at all the restaurants that I, that I did growing up and, you know, when I was uh, the chef of these restaurants that I didn't own, I was told no a lot. You know, I, I wasn't allowed to have deer on the menu because it wasn't, didn't suit the theme or they didn't think that it would sell or whatever, have, or the owners just didn't like it. So, you know, I was told no a lot when I wanted to do wild game dishes or it would be, you know, a feature for a week and then it's gone. So for me, Antler was just, I get to finally do and cook what I want. And, you know, the only person that's going to tell me no is, is a guest. So it was, it was really a gamble. We had, um, we had a chicken dish on the menu, a great chicken dish when we first started and uh, it didn't sell. We would end up, you know, eating them as staff meals. So it didn't go bad. And eventually we said, okay, you know, we don't need this chicken on the menu. We can replace it with a game bird. We did a game hen or a pheasant or something. And it really, was really nice for us to see that people were coming to try new things and you know the chicken dish the sort of safe uh, menu item for someone on the date that you know wasn't adventurous you know just wasn't even selling so that was that was a surprise that speaks volume to the the trust and the excitement that people are having when they're coming to your restaurant that they're literally Mm. coming to you to try things that they wouldn't because you're right like that chicken dish is something that you know, we've, we've all put on our menus, right? Like you're mm-hmm. always going to have a chicken and you're always going to mm-hmm. have a burger and you're going to have a great pasta. And it's, it's amazing that that chicken wasn't selling. Um, yeah. I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it sort of works with fish too. Like people are coming mm-hmm. to us for game meat and it's, it's a little frustrating for me because I love fish and I want to, uh, I want to serve, you know, way more fish than what we do. We only have one or two dishes on the menu because Again, they just don't sell. People are coming to really try, you know, deer and duck for the first time, even though, you know, you know, us in the food world think duck is so common to some people. It's still, you know, they've never tried it. So, um, you know, a a wild salmon dish or wild, uh, you know, pickerel or perch or something from the Great Lakes, it really isn't um, as appealing to people as as trying, you know, rabbit for the first time. So interesting. 
Maybe we'll have to explore that as a as a fish tasting <laughs> fish tasting menu. Uh, I had I had pickerel on my wedding menu. Oh, cool! I actually did I, it because I favorites. love it so much. That was that yeah. was the fish that I chose, actually. Yeah. So such a great fish. I like it. Beautiful. And you're right. There's like there's subtle elegance and and nuances to all the different fishes that we can get locally, and it is such mm. a a pleasure to to try and enjoy them all. Mm. Um, and like I I love European you know sea bass and sea bream and these these fit like uh, red snapper like all of these you know exotic fish that's so readily available that they're flying across the world to get here and we have right. so much available at our fingertips yeah. that uh, you know it's important for me to highlight that at Antler. And now here's a little bit on one of our partners. Savor Ontario is a local food and lifestyle content hub where you'll find the best of Ontario food, culture, ideas, and experiences. From chef, makers, restaurant profiles, and recipes, to long reads on food culture, great entertaining and home decor tips, you'll learn not only why local food matters, but how to embrace the local food and lifestyle movement. I'm an incredibly proud contributor with Savor Ontario, and I cannot wait for you to check it out. Head to savorontario.ca for the full experience and follow us on Instagram at Savor Ontario for daily doses of local love. In March of this year, when the, the COVID-19 pandemic hit here in Ontario, uh, our premier declared uh, a state of emergency and all mm -hmm. non-essential businesses were required to close. You and Jody um, very thoughtfully um, and very strategically, you, you pivoted quickly. Um, can you tell us a bit about that time and, and what you and your partner were thinking, going through? Mm -hmm. um, it, for us, it was really just survival mode. We, I, was, I was more naive than Jody. You know, I thought, okay, you know, two weeks we'll open up again and things will be back to normal. And uh, what a surprise, it's still not back to normal. So um, jo Jody was more uh, realistic about what was going on. I think I was, you know, trying to bury my hand, head in the sand a little bit. But um, we did pivot very quickly. We initially shut down for the two weeks and just thought, okay, we're not going to do anything. We're shut down and just sort of see what happens. And the third week came and we decided, okay, we have to do something here. We, we got on the phone with our tech support and learned how to set up our website to take orders. We decided to do a pop-up on the weekend and sell. We had all this inventory, so it was time to start designing meal kits and take out menu items and things we could, we could sell and try and salvage some of our inventory. So that went so well, we decided, okay, let's, let's do this full time. And to our surprise, it, you know, it was it was gangbusters busy. Um, we wanted to really support the frontline community as well. So in, in the hospitals, um, because of, you know, the scare we could see happening in Italy and New York, and, mm -hmm. you know, we were hearing about, uh, you know, the hospital staff working crazy hours and trying to trying to deal with this. So we set up a little charity initiative to, to cook for frontline workers. Um, that was a huge success. And, you know, really it was just survival mode and, and how do we survive? You know, this is our, our only income. It's our only restaurant. It's our baby. And, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to survive and, 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 and look after our staff. It, it felt really strange having to lay everybody off. It was horrible. Um, you know, I, we laid ourselves off. It was, uh, it was a bit of a nightmare. So, um, you know, we just, we just wanted to survive. 
Yeah. And how do you feel that things are going at this point now that we've, you know, reached a, not back to normal, but a later mm-hmm. stage in things? How are things feeling to you right now? We're, we're feeling good. The, 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 we've never had a patio. So it's really fun for us to have this street patio on Dundas. But we are concerned about what's going to happen when the weather changes. It's already getting chilly at night here. So we're, we're concerned. The six, the six foot distancing between tables is really going to hurt us. We're a 45 seat restaurant, very tiny as it is. So with the social distancing, I think we can only seat about 20 people. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, that's going to be really challenging in the next few months to see how this, how this all plays out. And, you know, maybe they'll open things up again, but soon, but who knows? So we're, we're just kind of hanging on <laughs> uh, to the news and the announcements that the government's making. Yeah. I mean, re- restaurant owners are um, resilient by nature. Um, you, you have to be in order to work in this crazy business. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing how, um, how, how resilient you were and, and working with what you had almost uh, really maximizing on that survival mode, as you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Like, I think it's almost like that's, that's what you needed to do. So you did. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. it sounds like you've always been very close to or good at reading feedback of what your customers need based on how you would design your menus in the past and just see how things worked. And, and it sounds like that's what you did with your meal kits and, and, and your meats and your takeouts and, and everything. Um, are you, do you think that you'll be, I guess you'll explore some of those other options again as, as we get colder and, and look at the patterns of the consumers? Yeah, with something we we've still kept up with the takeout and the and the mm-hmm. meal kits. Uh, the, just the demand for them has gone down because of all the restaurants opening back up. The patios are open; people are out um, enjoying uh, the dining scene again. Whether or not that uh, that changes, well, well, we're just kind of waiting to see. But it's something that we're we're still going to offer. And and I guess you know if if we do slow down, um, something we'll have to start marketing for and, and pushing for. Um, to build that business back up again. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to touch a little bit on, um, you know, when we were talking a little bit for a, a little bit before about what you do as a hunter, uh, and a forager and sort of your, what led you to this journey and the type of food you, you eat. I kept thinking about the, the issue of sustainability comes up, mm-hmm. which I know is very important to you. And mm-hmm. I know that, from what I understand is, is a big piece behind why you do things the way that you do them at your restaurant and in your life. Um, do you think people understand the connection between foraging and wild game or game for that example? And you know, the food, putting that food on your table and sustainability, or do you think that's a missing piece for some people? I, I think for a lot of people it definitely is a missing piece. And what's really interesting is when you talk about hunting to people that, don't know much about our laws here in Canada and the United States is that by law, the meat from the animal that you shoot has to be consumed. So there's no trophy hunting in Canada. You can't just go shoot something and take a picture with it and, and leave it. You know, it's, it's a huge offense. Um, you know, you will go to jail for something like that. It, it's very, very serious. So a lot, you know, all hunters really take a lot of pride in, in, in what they're doing. And there is that connection 
to the food, which I think really gives you a lot more um, respect for what you're eating. Um, you know, personally, when I when I harvest an animal, it's it's uh, it can be emotional, you know, and um, it's really important to me that everything is is used. Um, if I'm not going to use the hide, I'll donate it to someone that that is. Um, okay. A lot of times, I have made leather out of the hides, which is really really fun, and I've made knife rolls and aprons. Uh, I have a bearskin rug on my daughter's bed that she uses in the winter. It's um, it's it's really special for us to to use everything from the animal. Um, but what what also is interesting is when you start looking at the fees that hunters pay to harvest these animals. We have to buy tags and licensing. The, all that money goes back into conservation. So um, it, you know it's kind of an oxymoron. We're we're killing animals, but we're also really um, passionate about their conservation and making sure that these animals are around for our kids tomorrow. Right. Amazing. I had no idea about any of that. That is mm -hmm. really, really incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I it's think really it's really fascinating to look at. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, and there's all kinds of politics around it and, and it's just, it's just not really known that, uh, you know, and I think even in the, in the States, any outdoor products, there's a tax on it and that money goes into conservation. So there's just, um, yeah, there's a whole conservation piece that is really, I think, missing from conversations when people talk about hunting. And same with fishing. The, the money from fishing licenses goes directly into um, uh, the fisheries and conservation. So, I mean, you're right. It, it can be a very politi political issue for a lot of people and a polarizing mm -hmm. one. But I think what I have always gotten from you is how mindful you are about mm -hmm. what you do and why you do what you do in terms of, you know, whether it's, you know, as a, as a hunter or what you're serving on your menu. So I have a, I have, I have a lot of, a pre like just taking all of the other, like you said, the politics out of it or the, the, mm -hmm. you know, their opinion. I, I appreciate how how mindful you are and how much you you know, have respect for well, thank you. animals <laughs> and the environment. I, I really do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm curious as to what, who your biggest influences are in terms of what like, <laughs> led you to where you are from a culinary perspective. It, it doesn't have to be, but um, yeah. there, 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 I'm, I'm assuming there must've been some people along the way that sort of, that, yeah. that, that helped lead you into the, the path that you're on. I think uh, it's really the the people that inspire me is just is endless, you know. Um, but as a kid, it was really funny. Like we, I remember going to um, a recreated indigenous community as a kid, and you know they had reconstructed uh, log homes, and you know um, just learning about indigenous culture for me, I didn't understand why things couldn't be that way now and it was you know and it was so funny and as naive as a kid but it was it was uh I, I really you know from a kid I had a connection with nature and I just I wanted to uh live my life you know that way and we had some family friends growing up that hunted um and that's how I got into hunting was with was with uh, was with family friends so when it was really when I ate wild turkey for the first time I had something to compare it to um, eating farm-raised turkey growing up and there was just there was no comparison in flavor of how great it tasted so it was really I guess the ingredients the flavor of the ingredients that inspired me initially in the beginning um, watching the documentary Food Inc I've uh, really had an impact on my life and in, in learning about factory farming and these massive feedlots that animals lived in and the way chickens were raised and it was just, uh, it was sort of horrifying for me and I didn't want to 
eat like that. And, and, and that this is really my way. This is, you know, how I decided I was going to move away from that. Um, and then I think, you know, once you go into the wild and pick mushrooms or even just go apple picking with your family or, um, you know, go to a, a sugar shack and, and, and see how maple syrup is made. You know, there's that connection with your food. And then I, I think it's just in our DNA as human beings that I, you know, I have this urge to go and, and, and do these things. And it's, it's really, uh, for me, it's, it's an unconscious thing. I just, I love being in nature. I love, uh, you know, having my family there and harvesting our food and bringing it home. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really, I just really can't explain it. Um, you know, on the culinary side, as as a kid, you know, going to culinary school, you know, Daniel Ballou, Thomas Keller, Charlie Trotter, you know, the the greats, and um, and now it's really cool. I've I've had the opportunity to meet some of these people. You know, I've met Daniel Ballou. We're uh, we're doing a dinner with uh, with Cafe Ballou. Yes, in Toronto I saw that. With uh, the launch of our cookbook, so I'm very excited about that. Um, Alex Atal is someone that I've, I've had the pleasure of becoming friends with, and he, he greatly inspires me um, as a person. What he's done for Brazil, Brazilian mm -hmm. cuisine, he's really put on the map. But um, his uh, philanthropy with the uh, Amazonian people is really what inspires me and what he, uh, he does uh, for, the, uh, for the Amazon and protecting the rainforest and protecting uh, the, uh, the people of the Amazonas. And uh, that is what is really inspiring to me and is something that I would like to work towards. Uh, for, uh, for Canada. Great. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's just, uh, you know, when I met him, I didn't know who he was. I hadn't seen his Netflix show. We were cooking in Australia and someone said, Oh, you should meet Alex. He's a hunter. You guys will get along. And we just started chatting and, you know, he invited me to go spearfishing with him and I didn't know, like he didn't know who I was. I didn't know who he was. And, um, I think Jody Googled him and was like, do you know who that person is? <laughs> At the time, I think his Love restaurant it. was like, you know, number five or 10 in the world or something. I'm like, oh my God, you know, and he's just the most humble, sweetest, sweetest man. So, yeah, he's just such a gem of a person. Uh, you mentioned your cookbook. Mm -hmm. The Hunter, the Hunter Chef, Chef is, is Hunter coming Chef out in October. We're uh, so excited for you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. It's, uh, yeah, it's October 6th is the official okay. release date. Very uh, I think the title hunt fish and forage in a hundred recipes. Amazing. Uh, it's been a long journey. Um, it has. Yeah. It's, it's, we've been chatting about it and you've been giving me little tidbits along the way, but um, we'd love to hear more about your cookbook because obviously we're just so excited um, and we want everybody to be excited. Um, what can you tell us about the process and what can the readers expect? So it's everything wild. So mushrooms, wild mint, chaga maple syrup fishing uh you know hunting obviously uh it's just a wild foods cookbook so uh in my 20s when i when i was really started to get into hunting and foraging everyone around me wanted to know more they wanted me to teach them they wanted me to take them they were just so fascinated about what i was doing and for me it was really funny because i was still learning and and it's and you know looking at history and just other places within canada it's a way of life still for so many people so for me, it just, it wasn't new and it was, it was just something that I thought, okay, this is an opportunity for me um, to teach people about what, you know, we've seemed to have forgotten about in big cities. And I, uh, I looked at hiring a photographer and quickly realized I couldn't afford that. So I just bought a camera and I, I love photography anyway. I took some classes in high school and I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to take, 
take my own photos when I'm on my hunting and foraging adventures. And that's really where Jody Shapiro came in. Um, he was, he himself is a photographer and a documentary filmmaker and uh, we're connected through family. We are family and um, I should say through marriage. And uh, he was taking um, some cooking classes at George Brown and, and really taking an interest in food. And he offered to help me with the photography if I taught him how to cook. So that was, uh, that was how this started 10 years ago. Amazing. And I think maybe eight years ago. Um, I had, I think I had been working on it myself for a couple of years already. And then, and then I wound up meeting Jody and, um, that's how Antler was born. We thought, you know, we're, we started to work on the book. We got a little PR about it. I had sort of made a, a brand for myself and there was some articles we were doing little game dinners and things just for content for this book. And, and we started to get some press around it and we thought Antler would be a really good home, um, you know, to work on this book and, and to, you know, uh, work on this dream. Amazing. I mean, I've seen uh, some snippets of the photography. It really is stunning. Um, you know, I, I I hope one day when when things are a little different, we can have like a you can have a full show of <laughs> of all the photography. It's I'm, just so... I'm missing this uh, big launch party I had in my head, but uh, yeah. we're we're trying to plan some dinners and things around it to really celebrate it. Okay. It'll still happen. It's just going to mm -hmm. happen a little later. The celebrations will continue. They will be yeah. extended. Yes. <laughs> and um, of course, we can order that. We can pre-order that now. Mm -hmm. at all we can pre-order. Yep. So chapters, Indigo, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, you know, my website is a great place, thehunterchef.com. Yes. Uh, Antler's website, antlerkitchenbar.com has a link to the book. Um, yeah. So excited. I did my pre-order right away. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> very, no, of course. Um, I'm so excited to get my hands on it and, and cook from it. I've uh, you know, had the opportunity to, to um, receive some of your recipes for some of the events that we've done. And, and you write recipes beautifully, which is not easy for a lot of chefs. Um, but you, you have a, just a beautiful way of just as you do now in terms of taking us through your, your foraging experiences and in your love of, of, of hunting and gathering, um, you communicate food so beautifully and, and the process of it. So I'm, I'm just so excited. Thank you. All right. Well, this is the part where we love to ask people, Michael, what's your comfort food? We used to say guilty pleasure, but we don't yeah. want ever to have the word guilt associated yeah. with food. Yeah. But sometimes there is. But really, mm. what's your what's your comfort food? What's your day yeah. off? You can have anything. Yeah. You know, I have a sweet tooth for sure. So there's definitely uh, there's definitely some dessert recipes in the book, which I'm I'm really proud of. Great. Um, but yeah, anything uh, flaky pastry, I love. You know, turkey pot pie, stuff like that. Um, mm. Yeah, really rich, gluttonous, heavy food. I think is my is my comfort. I'm okay now with I, that. I really want a turkey pot pie now. <laughs> yeah. that is, it is a turkey pot pie kind of day. <laughs> It really uh, is. Fall is in the air uh, right now. There's a chill at night and in the morning. And it's, are you one of those I people that like, you like, okay, I was about to say this, this is not my happy place for weather. This is my happy, like I gotcha. any, just like, <laughs> like summer is the worst time for me because I'm, I'm, you know, a big dude and I'm just hot all the time. So it's, uh, you know, yeah. fall, you, winter and spring are my, all right. go, are good for me. We're still you friends, also, but. Yeah. <laughs> Michael also spends his summer 
cooking over giant True. fires. Yeah. So it True. which doesn't help things. No. Like All that. right. I just need to move somewhere tropical so I can yeah. live in it 365. <laughs> uh, Michael, it's been such an absolute pleasure to chat with yeah. you. Thank you um, so much. We just love what you do so much and we're excited for the book coming out. Uh, you did give your website out, uh, but just let's remind everybody, like, how can they find you on all the, you know, on Instagram? I hear yep. you have a few followers, just a few. <laughs> Getting there. Yeah. <laughs> so how can we find you? And then, like, the address of the restaurant and all of yep. those Yep, so things. Antler is at 1454 Dundas Street West in Toronto, uh, formerly Little Portugal, you could say. And um, anywhere online at The Hunter Chef, uh, thehunterchef.com and uh, antler is antler kitchen bar on all social channels love it amazing amazing thank you so much michael thank you thanks, thanks for speaking so with us fun. okay that's it for the show thank you so much for joining us we will be back again soon with another great guest to talk about delicious things but until then if you want to get in touch with us you can do so at breaking bread talking food at gmail.com <laughs>